How many of you guys are excited to be here this morning in the house of God? Look, let me tell you something, guys. Uh, Cutler, we were there at 8.45, and they went crazy. They were loud. You guys got to sleep in early, so I need you to be loud this morning. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to praise God in this place. Give them praise. Come on, come on. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, because you have been so good to us. Thank you, Father, because you have provided in every season. Thank you, Father. We praise your name this morning. You are welcome in this place. Do what you want to do, how you want to do it. Move and operate in this place. This is your house. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. You are welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are so thankful, Father, that you are in this place. And we can't do this without you. Now speak to us this morning. I'm going to ask you if you'd be so kind as to stand with me this morning. And uh, let's read some scripture. Look, it is our custom at Vine Church to uh, stand. And so I want to uh, see if you guys can make me feel at home and stand for the reading of the Word of God. Let me see. Anybody got their physical Bibles here? Raise them, raise them. Let me see if actually I can get that, uh, that handheld. Like, I'm, I'm going to switch, sorry, sorry but I'm going to switch to that handheld. I feel like this one pastor was using, it's got the anointing on it. So I'm going to just, I'm going to go with this one right here. Let me see, physical Bibles, raise them up. Come on, come on. Any physical, any, okay, uh, there one. Oh, oh, I think I saw, yeah, there we go. You are, you get an extra parking space in heaven. It's a big one too, man. Extra parking. I'm joking, I'm joking. Let me see. How many of you guys have your Bible on your phone? Raise it up. Let me see this. Okay, you guys are modern. Okay. Wait, wait, keep them up, keep them up. Let me see, uh, iPhones. Amen. You guys are going in the rapture. Amen. Glory to God. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. But uh, if you don't have your Bible, if you don't um, have that with you, no worries. Uh, if you don't have your physical Bible, your phone, your tablet, you don't have a Nintendo. I don't know. Uh, we're, we're praying for you. But uh, but if you don't, it's okay. Our media team has it on the screens for you there. I want you to go with me to Second Samuel chapter 21, and we're going to be reading verses 15 through 17. Now, when you have it, I want to hear a loud Amen. Let me clarify that again. I want to hear a loud amen. All right. When you got it, second Samuel 21, 15 through 17. If you don't have your Bible, just look up at the screen and say, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. You guys ready to read this morning? It says this, read it with me. It says in the name of the father, the son and the Holy spirit. It says once again, once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines and he became, Ooh, I want you to say like this, say, Exhausted. Hmm. Anybody ever felt exhausted before? It says, and Ishbai Binab. I think I'm butchering that name, but we're gonna, that's how we're pronouncing it this morning. Ishbai Binab. One of the descendants of Rapha, whose bronze spearhead weighed 300 shekels, and who was armed with a new sword, said he would kill David. Next verse. But, Abishai. I love those sections in the Bible where something just shifts, something changes. And, and I think that there are many of us that are, we're feeling weary. We're feeling tired. We're almost about to be killed, but God. And here it says, but Abishai, son of Zeruiah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. Then David's men swore to him saying, never again will you go out with us to battle so that the lamp of Israel will not be Extinguish right there where you are bow your heads close your eyes and help me pray spirit of the living God I pray that you fall fresh in this place father We have come with one purpose and one purpose only and that is to worship and to receive from you We have worshiped father. We have done as it was done in the old testament before the prophet was able to prophesy He said I need there to be someone that plays the harp to minister the presence of God father this morning We have ministered to you now I pray father that you would allow us to be able to receive from you God I thank you this morning because 
because you speak to us individually however we need to be spoken. And so for those of us, Father, that might be here in this place feeling weary, for those people that might be feeling depressed or anxious, I pray that you speak to them with a subtle, simple voice the way that a mother speaks to her newborn baby. But for those of us, Father, that need to be shaken, I pray that you speak to us the way that your word says that when you speak, the earth trembles, Father. And I pray this morning that the earth not take that blessing from us, but that our souls might be part of that trembling, that we might be shaken and stirred up to our core. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every ear is open so that we can listen to the audible version of your word. I pray that every mind be open so that we can read the simplicity of scripture, but at the same time understand and extrapolate from the profundity that is your word. And I pray that you open every heart that we might receive this seed. It fall in good soil and it produce 10 times, 40 times, 80 times, and 100 times. In the name of Jesus, somebody shout, Amen. You may be seated right there where you are. And I want you to help me introduce the title of my sermon today. Look at the person next to you. Look at him, look at him, and tell him, Never again. All right, all right. Now turn to the person that you completely ignore, the one maybe you don't like as much. Turn to them and say, sorry, neighbor, uh, for ignoring you, but uh, never again will I ignore you. <laughs> Come on, tell them, never again, never again. Glory to God. Um, I, I First and foremost, I want to thank God for the opportunity that he has given me to be here with you guys today. Look, I drove three hours, all right, to speak to you some word of God. And so I, I hope that you are as excited to receive it as I am to preach it. I also want to thank, and let's take just a couple seconds and honor the pastors of this house. Your pastors, amen. Come on, why don't you stand? Why don't you stand? Let's honor you this morning. Stand. Come on, come on. Glory to God. Glory to God. We thank you for your life. I thank you for the call that God has placed on you. You have been a blessing to me, and it's a privilege for me to be here with you this morning. Look, I've had the opportunity of um, uh, sharing the stage with your pastor a couple of times this morning. I was reminiscing with uh, uh, Pastora, with uh, you know, his, your wife, that uh, it had been, I think, maybe six years ago was the first time that we shared the stage. And I've been able to translate for him. And every time that he has gone out there to our region and he has spoken to our, our network, our, our section, every single time he's been speaking to the people. I'm right next to him translating, but he's speaking directly to me. And so I thank you for your life, Pastor. I thank you for your ministry. I thank you for the uh, willingness to, to have me this morning and the trust to have me this morning. I, I appreciate that. And the hospitality. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I also want to uh, give you greetings from my wife. My wife uh, is not able to be here this morning because she's actually at church right now. I believe service just ended. So they're, they're, they're finished already. I feel a peace in my spirit. I mean, I was, I was praying in, in the morning service. We were texting back and forth. I was preaching. I was texting her. I'm joking. I, I wasn't. But uh, she, was, she was like, uh, where does the coffee go? Uh, you know, where, where do we put the merch? Like all, I was like, babe, you do this every week. You got it. Okay. Like it's all good. But glory to God. Um, I believe that the same God that's in San Jose is the same God that is here in Danuba today. Amen. Glory to God. And so I, I give you greetings from her. And um, as, as I was preparing my sermon, I was like, what is the most spiritual way that I can open this sermon? And so I, I figured that I would do it with this most spiritual thing that I know. And that is football, soccer. Right? And that was a joke in case you guys are confused, like, what's going on? Look, let, let, me tell you, let me tell you a little bit about me, okay, so you guys get to know me. I, I, Pastor, I don't know what your theology is on this, but I think that if we play sports in heaven, it's going to be soccer. I, I, I don't know. I, I heard something about 49ers. That's cool. You know, glory to God. Warriors, you know, I'm a warrior. Okay, yeah, yeah. But soccer? That's a different conversation. That's a different story. Football, como decimos en español. Soccer is a different story. And, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a passionate soccer lover. Like, I, I love watching, you know, soccer specifically. Let me clarify. I love watching Mexican soccer. 
Now, let me share to you a little bit of my frustration that I have, something that, you know, that you, I hope that you pray for me and you help me because ever since, uh, you know, I was, I was a little kid, you know, I, my parents introduced me to Mexican soccer and, you know, I, I've had almost every jersey and I'm, I'm passionate. Every time they play, my faith increases and, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to, to watch them play. And uh, really, I, I was, I was looking back and since I've, you know, been alive, there's been a total of uh, eight World Cup tournaments that have happened. And in all of those, it goes like this. And let me, let me share with you. Let me, let me vent with you guys for a second. It goes like this, okay? Mexico plays, you know, the qualifying games, and, and we're doing good. We're doing good. And by some miracle, by the grace of God, we are able to qualify to the World Cup, right? And so we get there, and everyone's, you know, we got it. We can do this. Yeah, amen, glory. Yeah, yeah, woo. Like we're speaking in tongues, prophesying. Like, it's going to be great. And every single time, we begin to play, and then we get kicked out. Every single time. Uh, this year was a little bit worse. Normally we make it a little further. This year was like earlier we were kicked out in. And that is a frustration that I have every single time. I remember b- being a kid, even to this past year, watching the World Cup and just going, once again, like once again, like come on, man. Like I, I understand it, you know, the team was developing, but it's been eight times like we're here again. You know, like we're, we're here again. And, and my, my, you know, my wife doesn't really like soccer, but I did share this morning at the uh, uh, Cutler campus that uh, my, my wife's father, so my father-in-law, is a passionate soccer you know, uh, uh, connoisseur as well. And he doesn't like Mexican soccer. He's German. They live, they're from Germany. They live in Germany, in Frankfurt. And uh, you know, he likes German soccer. And so it was kind of, there's a little tension two World Cups ago because we beat Germany. Uh, Mexico beat Germany. And that was the only time that I can recall there being tension between me and my father-in-law. He sent me a text the next morning and he just goes, Congratulations. That's it. That's all. That's all that I got. Right. But but I, I, I knew. And and for me, I know we didn't win that year, but that was enough. You know, sometimes it's more it was more than enough. And, I was, you know, I was I was excited. But it is frustrating every single time that, that we get to that point, because it's like once again, once again. Now, you might be wondering, why am I bringing this up? Well, when I read Second Samuel 21, this is the same feeling that I have of once again. If, if you look at how the passage starts, it, it actually says exactly that. It says once again. So it lets us know that there's something cyclical happening. There, there is a struggle that, that keeps happening over and over and over. It's, it's repetitive. Say repetitive. And so David is fighting the Philistines. Now, anyone that's been in church for more than a year, anyone that you know, went to any sort of Sunday school, I think would tell me this morning, wait, hold on. We're in 2 Samuel 21. Pastor Abe, there's no way that David's still fighting the Philistines because I'm not, you know, the biggest theologian. But in 1 Samuel 17, uh, David defeated the giant, right? Like we're talking about, you know, you guys remember, right? Goliath, right? He's like the guy that by some accounts, he's like nine, nine foot six. By some accounts, you know, uh, he's got this huge spearhead that weighs 600 shekels. And so he's already done it. So now in 2 Samuel 21, it says once again, David is fighting. the. Phil- I, I thought he defeated him. Already, And I think if you would ask me that, I would tell you, yeah, you know what, you're right. And he did defeat the Philistine, but he's fighting another giant. He's also a Philistine. He's the same enemy, just a different opponent, a different version of it. And I think a lot of times we can relate to David. I know that in my life I can relate to David a lot. I, I, I preached this morning about David. It was a, a different sermon. It was a word for Cutler. But this morning God has a word for you, Danuba. This morning has a word specific. God has a word specifically for you. And when I read this passage, I, I relate to him and I relate to him because there are things that I've been fighting in my life. I, I look back and when I was a young boy 
an, a struggle, an, an issue that happened, something that was said to me that, that maybe someone did to you and, and years have gone by and you're like, again? And, and sometimes you, you'll look at your life, you'll analyze it and you'll go, really? Like this? Again? Like, I thought I beat this. I thought I left this in the past, but, but, but we're doing this again. Like, what's, what's going on? And, you know, th- this really bugs me because uh, I understand that when we go to a new level, that there's supposed to be like new challenges. That makes sense to me, right? Like if you, if you go to a new level in your life, in your ministry, in your business, at school, there's supposed to be new challenges. I get that. I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that. I accept that fact. But what bugs me is that you go to a new level and you're still dealing with same issues that you've had in your past. I don't know if anyone else can relate, but 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us this, that God takes us from glory to glory. It was mentioned this morning. We go from glory to glory. And so how can we go from glory to glory but still be dealing with the same things? My assignment for you today, church, is to take you from 2 Samuel 21.15, where it says, once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel, to 2 Samuel 21.17, where it says, in the middle of the verse, never again. My assignment this morning is to take you from once again to never again. Now, I want to hear this morning, are there any people that are ready to go from once again to never again? Is there anybody here this morning that's like, I am done facing the same obstacle. I am done fighting the same battle over and over. I want to get to never again. Well, buckle up because it's going to be a rough ride. Amen. Here are a couple of things that I, I have learned in my life and, and I, I have learned about going from once again to never again. There are issues that I've tackled in, in the last three years of, especially the last three years of my ministry now that I've stepped up as a lead pastor. There were things that I, I noticed that I was like, if I don't tackle these now, we were talking yesterday about some things. If I don't tackle this right now, I'm going to be fighting this giant over and over and over. And so the first thing I want to share with you this morning, and if you're taking notes, you want to write this down, is this. You need to update your strategy. Say update. You need to up. Okay, okay. So we got David. He's fighting the same giant. Well, I mean, it's not the same giant, right? Like, it's, it's not Goliath, but he's like Goliath. He's, he, he's like him. And, and, and David, you know, much has changed about his life at this point. He's no longer that small shepherd boy. A lot of things have changed, but when you analyze his life, a lot of the things are really, they're, they're still the same. See, David is now the king of this united, you know, monarchy, right? He's got the north and the south together, like he's done something great, and, and, and he's different, right? He's not that scared little boy anymore. He's a king. He's not in the, you know, anonymous. He is now known. He is famous. He is a king, but much thing, many things in his life are still the same. He's 40 years old, but... That doesn't mean that there aren't things that he's still dealing with that he was dealing with when he was a scared little boy. And it's safe to say that a lot of things have changed. And maybe for you in this new year, right, 2023, new year, new me, right? Like a lot of things have changed, right? And we're going into February, glory to God, right? It feels like we just, like we just started, we're already in February, right? But there are things that if you're not careful to change your strategy, you will continue to deal with from 2022 here in 2023. Just because the year changed doesn't mean that everything changed. You must update your strategy. And I love the life of David because there's so much about David's life that I can relate to. I mean, there's, it's not like I can relate to everything, right? Like he's done great things. He brought the Ark of the Covenant back. I never done that, right? Like I, I didn't do that, right? But, but I can relate to a lot of other things. He played the harp. I don't play the harp, but you know, I play the guitar. I play, you know, piano. Like I guess that's kind of similar, right? But what I could really relate to is that passage that said, once again, once again, because there were moments in my life, in my family's life, in our church's life, where we looked back and we were like, really? 
This, like, okay, we understood 10 years, well, now 13 years ago when we started the church originally, that made sense. But now we're still dealing with these same issues. We're still dealing with them once again. And when I analyze the timeline between when David was, you know, fighting as a boy and now fighting as a man, I realize that there have been over two decades that have gone by. Two decades. And he's still dealing with the same enemy. He's still dealing with the same giants that he killed when he was 17. Now, I can relate to that. And I want to know, is anybody here able to relate to that as well? I, I know I'm being honest with you this morning. I, I heard that at this service, I can be honest. Is that, is that true? I, I want to be honest with you. And, and I, I know that I can relate to that. But what encourages me is this, that when I study the Bible, I realize that the enemy isn't creative. God is creative. And when you understand that, you can know that it's not that he brings new things to you, new struggles to you. It's the same version of the struggle you were dealing with when you were younger, when you were less mature. It's the same thing. It just looks different. Say it looks different. It looks different. So let me go a little bit deeper into this. See, when, when the difference between having a struggle that's the same when you're young as you have it when you're older is that now that you're older, now that your ministry has progressed, the stakes are higher. All right. So let me, let me give you an example. When you're young, right? And you want to act out and you know, you want attention. You're you, right. You want attention in high school and middle school, right? What do you do? You, you act out. You're the class clown. And the worst thing that can happen is detention. That's the worst thing that can happen. Okay, but now time has gone by, you're older, you have a ministry, you're married, and you're still dealing with that struggle for attention, but now it doesn't end in detention, it ends in divorce. And so the stakes are higher. And David, the stakes are higher. When he was fighting this giant, he was young, he had nothing to lose. All he had to lose were the sheep that he, you know, that he had back at home. But now he's the king of Israel. The Bible tells us he's the light of Israel. It says later in that passage, so if he dies now, the light of Israel will go out. The stakes are higher. And if you don't change your strategy, you will be stuck in the exact same struggle over and over and over again. And you will never be able to get to the never again. You will be stuck in the once again. See, in David's case, when he first fights and and faces the giant in 1 Samuel 17, he's a shepherd boy. And he doesn't own any armor. He didn't have the money to own a sword. He he, he doesn't own anything to be able to go up against the giant. So he works with what he has. And I want to encourage those this morning that are working with what you have. You might be looking at what you have and you're saying, it's just just five stones. It's just a sling. It's insignificant. But I want to tell you this morning that in God's hands, they are the instruments, the tool to bring down giants of entire generations that will set people, not just you, but people around you, your family free. Working with what you got is the most incredible thing you can do in ministry. When you see that God has given you something and you're like, it's just a, it's just a mic. What am I supposed to do with this? You might see a mic, but really what happens is it is the channel for God to use his embouchure to speak life into people. It's not just a mic. It is a tool in God's hands. You might be looking at the family that you have and you're like, well, God, if you had given me, you know, a t- husband that was taller, maybe, right? Like, maybe, right? Like, oh, you know, and maybe if, if my wife, you know, she knew how to cook the way that my mom did, like, maybe. And, 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 and the reality is God has given you something. And you can look at it for what it is right now, or you can look at it for what God will turn it into. I need to know this morning, is there anybody here who has the vision to look at what God can turn it into? When I read the Bible, I see many men and women that were able to take something simple, mundane, something that was insignificant and turn it into something great. And so I admire David for that because Moses was someone like that too. The Bible tells us that when God calls Moses and you remember, you remember right? The burning bush, he's standing there and he tells him, I need you to go and tell Pharaoh, set my people free. And then he asks him, well, Moses tells him, what am I supposed to do? Like, they're not going to believe me. And he asks him something. He says, what is in your hand? 
And so Moses looks at his hand, and the Bible, sometimes I feel like the Bible's like a text. You, you know why? Like, you know when you send a text, and, and you know, you're, you're like, hey, you want to watch a movie? And, you know, your, your wife or your girlfriend or whatever, they text you back, and they're like, okay. And you're like, okay? Does she mean like, okay? Or does she mean like, okay? Like, you, you can't really tell, right? And so when Moses, like, when Moses responds, it's just a staff, or only I have is a staff, I'm not really sure, but I think I can infer, if, if you would allow me to this morning, that he looks at it, and it's not like he goes like, oh, a staff. I think he looks at it and he goes, a staff, it's it, it's all that I have. And so what he saw as small, what he saw as insignificant in one season of his life, a couple chapters later, they are standing in front of the sea and God says, what is in your hand once again? He looks at it, he says, a staff extends it and it opens an entire sea in half. I want to tell you this morning that what you have in your hands, you might think it's insignificant, but in God's hands, it is the tool that will liberate nations. It is the tool that will bring down giants. What God has placed in your hand is more than enough for the season that you're in today. But you gotta work with what you got. I can relate to that. See, again, I can relate to many things about David's life because when we first got called into ministry as a family, I was sharing uh, a little bit about uh, this with Pastor at, at dinner yesterday. Uh, this was now around 13 years ago. We, we got called. We were in a, in a holy place, right? We, you know, of course, when you get called into ministry, you got to be, you know, in a holy place, right? We were in Disneyland, right? And so the holiest place on earth, right? And so we get this call. My, my dad gets this call, and they're like, hey, you know what? There's this church in San Jose. You know, you're, 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 you know, you're credentialed. You're on our list. Like, would you like to come in and pastor? And so he asked us, I think we were in the line for like cars or something, I don't remember what we were, what we were doing, but he, he, we have this conversation and we tell him, let's do it. Let's do it. We all agreed as a family, let's do it. And so we stepped in. And I mean, I, I came in with faith. I was like, let's do this. Like, you know, I, I was, I don't know why, but in my mind, I was imagining like, you know, our, our uh, stadium in our city is the SAP Center. That's where the Sharks play. That's what I had in mind. I was like, oh, glory to God. We're, you know, we're about to do something great and God is going to move it. We step into the building. You could maybe fit 70 people, like Mexican style, max. Maybe like 100 Mexican style, right? But, but maybe 70 people in that building. The roof, it was during a rainy season. It was like January. The roof was leaking during service. I remember one day I was like, you know, we're praying and I feel this thing. I was like, God? Like, you know, <laughs> like God. And it wasn't. It was just the roof was leaking. And, and, and this is no lie. I remember in, in the second service that I was there, I was sitting in the front row and I'm looking at the team that was playing at the time and there's this rat that just runs like in the, right? That's not a lie. Like I saw that happen. I'm, I'm being honest. And, and this is the condition that we found the building in. The sound system that we had was the worst that you can even imagine. All the cables were chewed up from the rats. Like, it was disgusting. It was, it was sad. Uh, it was depressing. But that's where God called us to. And over the next 10 years, we worked with what we had. We worshipped as if we were in that stadium. We worshipped as if we had the sound system that we wanted. We worshipped as if the congregation was full. There was only three families left when we got to that church because there had been eight pastors in the last five years that had come in. And one pastor would come and leave. Another pastor would come and leave. And nobody wanted that church because they saw it as something broken. It went from being a sovereign church down to a mission. And it was about to be shut down. But there was a group of three families that said, we will not be moved. We trust in the Lord. And we we trust that God's plan is perfect and his timing is perfect. And so we came to that building and we began to work, work with what we got, work with what we got. In. And it was a beautiful 10 years of healing. It was a beautiful 10 years of, of fixing up the building uh, physically, but also spiritually fixing up the church. It was, a, it was a beautiful time. And 10 years later, now we're going on our third year of being at, back in the day, that church, it was called Templo La Hermosa. 
Today we are called Vine Church. And three years ago, and last year your, your, your pastor was, was there ministering the word of God to us. We are now in a building that seats 700 people. We went from 70 to 700 because God can multiply what is in your hand. You might see it as insignificant, but God is telling you this morning, it is more than enough. Somebody say more than enough. Somebody shout more than enough. More than enough. Work with what you got. So David's working with what he's got in 1 Samuel 17. It makes sense. The difference is that now... He's no longer that shepherd boy anymore. He is now the king of Israel. When he was 17, he tried to put the armor of the king on, and it didn't fit. And so he used, with, he used what he had. But now, guess what? The armor fits. And God sent me this morning to tell somebody today, the armor fits. God sent me to tell somebody today, what didn't work last season is going to work this season. What you were not able to carry last season, you're going to be able to carry this season. You are no longer forgotten. You are now accepted and loved. You are no longer lost. You are now saved. You are no longer sick. You are now healed. This season is different. And so your armor ought to look different because this season is different. What God is doing in your life is something different. But you got to be able to adjust and adapt your strategy. When we got, when I got called to, to come in, uh, so three years ago now, uh, to Vine Church and, and asked to be, to, to be the lead pastor in our English ministry. I met with the board and I said, okay, let's do it. I'm all in, but I need you guys to be willing to change the strategy because what worked the last 10 years was great and God did amazing things and God healed and God did what he had to do and what he wanted to do. But if we're not able to change our strategy and our mindset, then we won't see what God has for us in this season. And, and, and the perfect example of that is the people of Israel. They're in, they're in the book of Exodus in the beginning. They're crying out to God, send us a savior. We want to be liberated from the oppression of the, of the Egyptians. Send us somebody. And so God sends them Moses. They are now liberated in two generations. A whole generation goes by. And it's not until the next generation that they're able to receive the promise of God for their life. Because the previous generation was not able to change their strategy. They were not able to adapt their mind. And so they're free in the desert. But they got a slave mentality. And if you're not able to change and adapt your strategy, you won't see what God has for you in this season of your life. And so David's inability to change his strategy now in 2 Samuel 21 almost got him killed. The same strategy that he tried to use when he was 17, that head-on face, that head-on strategy, it worked back then. But it didn't work this time around because now he's different. It's a new season. There is time and necessity for a new strategy. Why is that? Why is it that David almost got killed in this new season? I mean, he's done it before, right? So why is it that he almost got killed? Is it because he was weak? Is it because maybe he lost a step, right? He's, he's around 40 now. So like, you know, maybe he lost a step. No, no offense to any 40-year-olds right in this place. But maybe it's that, right? Like, what, what could it be? Like, let's, why, right? When I'm reading this, I'm like, why? And this brings me to my next point. And if you're taking notes, write this down. You're not weak. You're just weary. When I was reading this passage, um, what came to mind was, man, you know, maybe he doesn't have the strength anymore, right? Like maybe so much has happened in his life that he's, he's not strong anymore. He's been out of the game for too long, right? Like maybe he doesn't know how to use the sling anymore because, you know, he's just been eating out of silver plates and now on the palace. And so like, what's going on, right? Maybe he's lost a step or two. Maybe he's been out of the game. But then I pay attention to the end of verse 15. If you have your, your Bible there, you can, you can look at it. The end of verse 15, which tells us that David was weary. 
doesn't say that David was weak. I don't think you could ever call David weak because when you look at the Bible, he's a, he's a strong man. He was a strong boy. When he was 17, he was killing lions and bears. You can't call this guy weak. So what happened? Well, the end of verse 15 tells us that he is weary. He is weary. Now, there's a difference between weak and weary. It's a, it's a very big difference. And last week, uh, I kind of got some example of that, okay? Let me, let me share a, a, a little bit of what happened last week. Last week, you know, I was in the gym with my, with my friend, my business partner. He's also my guitar player at church. And so we're, we're in the gym, right? And we're, we're pumping some iron, right? And we're, you know, we're, we're trying to get stronger. And, and I remember that day I hit 225 for eight reps. And I felt good. I was like, yeah, like I feel, I feel good, right? Come on, come on. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No, I, I felt good. And so when I, when I finished, normally I can only do six, but that day I hit eight and, and I was like, okay, like the, the Lord is on me today. And so I, I, I continued the rest of the workout and I went through that workout, like trying to just go as heavy as I could everywhere else. Right. I was like, let's just, if we're going to do this, let's just kill chest today. Like let's just destroy. And so I, I go, I go. And by the, at the last, like the last portion of that workout, I finished with like two supersets and, and I'm just like, I'm done. Right. When I finish, I'm done. That was on Monday. Tuesday goes by and I wake up. I'm like, man, I'm a little, I'm a little sore. Like, what the? Wednesday comes and I'm like, whoa, I can't even like, I can't, I can't like pick up my backpack. Like, what's going on? And then Thursday comes. Now it's chest day again. And so now I'm back in the gym and, and I put just, just uh, 45s on each side. So now there's like 135 on, on the bar. This is just 135. And I'm, and I'm pushing. I can barely like push it up. I'm, and people are walking by and they're probably looking at me like, huh, this guy can only lift 135, right? And I'm like, no, I promise I can lift more. It's just you caught me in a moment where I am weary. It's not that I'm not strong right now. It's just that I'm weary. It's just you didn't see the last time in my life when I was lifting the weight that I know I can lift. You walked in right now when I'm sore, when I'm tired, when I'm weary, when I'm exhausted. And many times in ministry, it's the same way. People will look at you and they'll say, hmm, that's all he can do. Hmm, that's all that she can do. Hmm, that's, that's it. The reality is you're seeing me right now. This is not who I am. I'm just... I'm just weary. I'm just weary. I'm just weary. And so David finds himself in this moment. He feels weary. But I have good news for you today. For any of you that feel weary, they feel tired, they feel exhausted, I have good news for you today. Jesus tells us in Matthew 11:18, he says, "Come to me all those who are and I will make you rest." And then he tells us, reminds us later, the word of God reminds us later in Isaiah 40:31. He says, "But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strengths. They will soar on wings like the eagles. They will run and not grow." They will walk and not faint. There is good news for you today. This weariness that you're feeling right now, it's only temporary. The weariness that you're feeling right now is not what the rest of your life will look like. But you need to adjust your strategy. Because if you don't adjust your strategy, then you will grow weary. I remember when Jesus calls Peter. You guys remember that? He encounters Peter. And what's going on in Peter's life? The Bible tells us that, you know, he has been fishing all night. Now, now Peter is, is not a weak fisherman. This guy has done it his whole life. He knows how to fish. But what has happened is the entire course of an entire night has gotten him to the point where he is so weary that he is about to give up the career that he's always known. And so he's washing his nets. Washing your nets means it's over. And so he's washing his nets, and he's like, I'm ready to go home. I, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And so Jesus comes, and he tells him, I want you to go again, but this time do it in my name. You know, there's the miraculous catch. He comes back, and he tells him, okay, you will no longer be a fisherman. Now you will be a fisher of men. So what does Jesus do? He gives him a new 
strategy. He changes his strategy. You guys catch that? He changed his strategy. He says, okay, you're good at this, and it worked in this season, and that was great for this season, and yesterday you were struggling all night, not because you're a weak fisherman. It's because you're in a new season, and what I have for you this season requires for you to change your strategy because if you don't, you will get to a place in ministry. You will get to a place in your marriage. You will get to a place in your education where you will feel weary. And so David feels weary. He's not weak. He's just weary. And this is the third thing that I want to share with you this morning. And this will take you from once again to never again. Remember, number one is change your strategy. Number two, remember, you're not weak. You're just. And number three is this. You can't fight this battle alone. Now, I know that you've been able to do it maybe in the past by yourself, and it's not that you can't, right? Because I think a lot of times, especially as guys, like the men, right? Come on, I'm going to give you one more chance, okay? Where are the men of this house? There, see, there we go, okay? That's, that's what it should have sounded like a little bit ago, okay? But it's okay, no worries, you're forgiven, covered by the blood, it's okay. All right, so, so as men, I think a lot of times, right, especially, we're like, I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody. Like, I, I got this. I got this. I don't need anybody. And what happens is that, if you're fighting the same battles that you've always fought alone, you might have been able to do it in one season. Maybe you could do it for another season. Maybe a third. But eventually you will grow weary. And so it's not that you can't. It's that in this season you aren't who you used to be anymore. You don't need to do it alone. So watch this. God sends David help. He sends him help by the name of Abishai. Say Abishai. That's a cool name. I like that name. Abishai. Abishai. He doesn't send him an angel. I think too many times we're waiting for God to send us like an angel, to send us like, you know, some, some, you know, figure of light to tell me like, okay, Abraham, like get up, like you can do this, like, right? But he doesn't. He doesn't send him an angel. He sends him Abishai. He sends him Abishai. And this kind of reminds me of, you know, that old preacher story. I don't know if you heard. I'm sure you guys have heard it at some point in your life, right? But there's a, there was this old preacher story that would talk about this man that was, you know, he was dying and he was stranded. And he's like, God, send me help, right? And so God sends a boat. And, and you know, there's a boat that goes by. And, and he's like, no, 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 I'm waiting on God. And then a helicopter comes by. And he's like, you know, he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm waiting on God. Keep going, keep going. A plane comes by. And he's like, no, I, I got it. I'm waiting on God. And then he dies and he's in heaven. And he's like, God, what happened? I was waiting on you. And God's like, I sent you a boat, a helicopter, a plane, right? And sometimes we're too stubborn thinking that we can do things alone, that we can miss the Abishai that God has for us in our life. Sometimes we can push away the very thing that God has sent you as help in this season. Isn't it ironic that a couple years ago, right, a couple decades ago, the people of Israel were struggling against Goliath and everybody everybody neglected David. Like nobody thought of him. They all tried to do it on their own. Nobody thought of him. They were, they were trying to deal with the, you know, the problem of the giant by just like not dealing with it, right? Like what a great strategy, right? Like let's just pretend he's not there, right? And so let's take the insults. Let's pretend he's not there. But nobody thought of calling David. And David stepped up. He worked with what he had because that's what he had to work with in that season. And he took out the giant. But now in 2 Samuel 22, sorry, 21, now He's standing there. He's fighting a giant, but he's doing the same thing that the people of Israel did ten de- a couple decades ago. He's looking at the giant, and he's like, yeah, there's other people around me, but I got it. I don't need anybody. I got it. I've done it before. Let me try it again. And so he doesn't realize that Abishai is standing right there next to him. So I ask you today, who are the Abishais in your life that you are disqualifying and pushing away, that God has sent for you as help in this season. I think 
like I said, as, as men, a lot of times this happens sometimes with our wives. And, and, and what, what happens is that, you know, we, we look at them and, and we talk to them and we're like, you know what? Like they're just, maybe they're not strong enough to carry the burden that God has placed on our life. But the reality is that they are our helpers. Husbands, men, I'm, I'm talking to you. They are our helpers. They are our Abishai's for certain areas of our life. Who are you turning away? Who are you disqualifying that God sent for you to help? I remember when... We first started Vine Church uh, three years ago. I remember uh, the first three services was crazy. It was like a circus. It was crazy. And he got coffee cups at the end. I went home, edited the pictures, posted the videos. And I did it for like three services, right? And after three, I was like, I'm weary. Like, I'm, like I can't, no way I can do this, like, you know, in the long run. So I began to cry out to God, God, send me people. Send me people that, that, first, just send me someone that can sing. If you send me someone that can sing, God, like, ah, I'm good. Like, I, I, can, I can do the rest. Just please send me someone that can sing, at least so they can do the worship. And so I was crying out to God, crying out to God. And I remember one day there was a, a, a young man that was on our worship team, and he came up to me after practice, and he was like, hey, Pastor Abe, uh, I was wondering if maybe I could give this singing thing a try. But the way he said it, I was kind of like, I don't know, bro. Like, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know. Like, what do you mean give it a try? Like, I, I need someone to minister, and you're trying to give it a try? Like, I don't know, bro. And so I was like, oh, I'll get back to you, right? And, I, you know, like a week went by, two weeks went by. And he asked me again. He's like, hey, Pastor, so what do, what do you think? And I was like, you know what? Um, yeah, sure. After practice, when everyone's gone, like, I, didn't wanna, I was like, I don't want to embarrass this kid, right? Like, when everyone's gone, like, let's, uh, you know, we'll sing. And I'm being honest with you, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you as to what happened. And, and I, I remember that, uh, that, you know, practice finished. And normally everyone just, like, leaves. I don't know how you guys, but our team, like, they're like, practice, we're out. Like, Chick-fil-A, KFC, whatever. Like, we're out, right? And so practice ended. But this time everyone, like, stuck around. And I was like, oh, man, this poor kid, man. Like, oh, my God. Because they see him, like, get ready in the mic and all that stuff. And so I'm like, all right, well, you know, uh, pick a song. Like, we'll play it. And so, you know, I get someone up on the keys. And, and I'm like, all right, go ahead. And he blows me away. I was like, what the heck have you been doing on the bass this entire time? Like, you can, bro, you can sing. Like, you know, like, you, you, you can sing. Like, what's, what's going on? Like, and, and he's like, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I just, he's like, I, I guess I've never had the opportunity to. He's like, but I, I would, I, like at home, like I always, uh, you know, I just practice. I just like, I just sing. And I'm like, what? You, like, you've never done this before? You've never, like, taken classes? You say, no, never. Like, I just, I just wanted to give this thing a try. And I was like, man. And in that moment, God spoke to me. And he said, why are you pushing Abishai away? Because my humanity told me he doesn't have enough experience. My humanity told me he's never been on a stage this big. My humanity told me he's, he's never had the, he doesn't know how to minister because there's a difference between singing and ministering. Big difference. And so I was like, I, I, maybe he could sing. Maybe he can. I don't know. But he, for sure he's never ministered. Like, I, I don't know. And God told me, why are you pushing Abishai away? And today, every leader that I have in media, in marketing, in, in every single department that I have in Connect, every single leader, except our, our worship director now, we, we love him and we were able to outsource him and bring him into the church. And now he's become part of the family. He's been here for almost a year, right? And, and glory to God for that. But almost, but every other leader that I have in my team, every single one was raised up and brought up from within. I didn't know they were there, but they were the original ones that started the church with me. And so while I was seeing them and I was thinking that they weren't enough, God had already placed the Abishai's that I I needed in my life from the beginning of my season. I just didn't know it because I wasn't humble enough. I wasn't able to adjust my strategy for the new season that I was in. And so I, I thought I need someone that's already experienced. I need someone that's already done it. Someone that's led at 10 other churches that, you know, has resumes. Like that's what I need. But God said, why are you pushing your Abishai away? 
And if you push your Abishai away long enough, you will grow weary. And you will get so weary that you will give up. And I've seen this happen. I love that, that you know, metaphor that they use, that example, that simile of David, of him being like the, the light of Israel. Because, watch this, if he had continued doing it the way he was doing it, he would have died. And if he would have died, the light of Israel would have diminished. And, Pastor, when I look at this generation, I see lights going out. I see people that, that have the heart. And we were talking about this yesterday. See, when, we, when you look at this next generation, right, what they want is equality. That's what God wants too. But they're going the, about the wrong way of doing it. They, 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 they want acceptance. That's what God wants too. But they're going about the wrong way of doing it. And so if they are not able to adapt their strategy to what it says right here in the word of God, their light begins to go out little by little by little until it's fully extinguished. It's fully extinguished. But if you're able to look at the season that you're in in your life and look around and look at the Abishai's that God has helped you, that God has sent you to help you, if you're able to analyze that you're not weak, you're just weary, and if you're able to change your strategy, you will go from once again to never again. You will be able to step from once again to never again. Never again will I be depressed like this. Never again will I go through this kind of struggle in my marriage. I might face other giants, but never again will I face that one. Never again. Never. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, never again, never again, never again. Again, never again. So who are the Abishai's in your life that you're pushing away? And number two, and I'll finish with this, and if I could have whoever's on keys to come up, please. You know what, the team, yeah, let's bring the whole team up. You guys are ready to go. Come on. They say where the Nord is, the Lord is. So I saw the Nord. I know the Lord was here. Amen. That was a musician joke. Okay, I'll explain it later. Your pastor will tell you later next week. So number one is um, who are the Abishai's that you're pushing away? And number two how can you be an Abishai in someone's life this year? See, for Saul, even though he was trying to kill David, David was his Abishai. Because when Saul was being tormented by demons, David would just come in and play his harp and the demons would leave. And so he was the help that God had sent him in that season. But watch this. He wasn't able to change his strategy. He thought David was trying to take over. And so he was jealous of David. He was scared of David. And so he pushed him away into a cave as we were talking about this morning. He pushed him so far away that the Bible says the presence of God, the spirit of God left Saul. I don't know about you, but I don't want to push people away to the point where the presence of God leaves me. See, God has called me to pastor. But if I push people away, then God will look at me and say, then who did I call you the pastor? What, 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 are, you, what are you doing? God has called you to be a parent, and if you push that child away for too long, then what are you, what are you doing? God called you to be a parent, did he not? Uh, God has given you a wife, God has given you a husband, but if you push them away long enough, then what are you doing? And so, one, who are you pushing away? And two, who can you be an Abishai for in this season? How can you be an Abishai in the life of your pastor this year? How can you help him? How can you help his wife? How, how can you help this church? How can you help the ministry? How can you help the place that feeds you every single week? How can you be an Abishai this year? Maybe you weren't able to do it last year. It's okay. There's mercy, right? God, have mercy on me. Glory to God, right? Okay, but this is 2023 now. How can you be an Abishai? Mm. How can you be an Abishai in the life of your spouse this year? How can you help them? What small things can you do to, to help them? See, I'm, I'm here to, to not, I'm here to encourage you. God sent me to encourage you, right? And I hope that you leave this place on fire and encouraged and ready to face your next giant. And, and yes, but I don't just want to hype you up. I want to give you something practical. 
How can you be an Abishai in your pastor's life, in your spouse's life? How can you be an Abishai in your child's life? How can you help your child this year? How can you be an Abishai in your leader's life? Whether it's a leader at church or even at work, or how can you be that Abishai that that person needs? Stand with me this morning. I want to pray for you this morning, and I, I want to do something this morning. I, I want to I do an altar call. I don't know, I don't know if that's okay, but I, I feel the, this morning to do that. Look, I want to pray for you. I want to have the privilege to lay hands on you, and I'm going to ask the pastors of the house to also help me in doing this. And, and I want you to understand something. It's not me. It's not him. Uh, we, we can't do anything but in God's hands. Woo! But God, God is in this place. We were singing about it this morning. Surely he is in this place. The Word of God says this, that where two or more are gathered in His name, that He is there. And then it goes further. It goes further. Ready for this? It says, where any, anywhere that can two can agree on something. He says, ask for, and He gives you a blank check, anything. Ask for anything. I don't know what you need to ask for today. I don't know if you're feeling weary. I don't know if you feel like you're too weak. But the reality is you're not. You're just weary. It's like those sne- uh, uh, Snickers commercials, right? Like, you're, you're not a monster. You're just hungry, right? Some of you guys are like, you're failing the ministry not because you're weak. It's, you're just hungry. Like, you, you need a Snickers, right? Like, you, you need a, a vacation. You, you, you're just weary. And the best place to get rest, the Word of God says, is in the Lord. Come to me, all those that are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Does anybody need rest this morning? I want to make one invitation before I open the altar. <laughs> Everybody, close your eyes, bow your heads. This is just a moment between uh, you and the Lord. Everybody. I want to ask, a long time ago, I, I promised the Lord that I would do this invitation every time that I had the opportunity to. And, and I feel led to do that this morning. I want to make an invitation to, maybe it's, maybe it's your first time here today. Maybe you have never heard about the Word of God. Maybe you're like, who's this Jesus guy? Who's this David? What, what, what are all these things he's talking about? Look, you don't need to know all of that. All you need to know is that there is a God that loves you. He sent his one and only son to die for you. And he doesn't hate you. He doesn't condemn you. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And if you are tired of being tired in your life, if you're tired of facing the same battles over and over, the same depression over and over, the same addiction over and over, I have good news for you today. There is a man and his name is Jesus. He is in this place. He is not just some fable. He is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. He is real. He is alive today. He has changed my life and he can change your life. And so every eye closed in this place, I want to make an invitation to anybody that wants to accept Jesus for the first time today. I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm not going to bring you up front. We're not going to do anything crazy. I just want to pray for you. And the second thing that I also want to jump in with this invitation is anybody that maybe has known about Christ, maybe they've had a relationship with Christ before, but life has happened, things have happened, you've grown weary, your candle went out, and so now you are alone and you've tried to do life alone, but you know there's a God. You, you know what you've been taught. You, you know that there is better for your life. And so if you straight away, but I want to tell you that God still loves you. There is nothing that you can do. There is nothing that you can say. There is no mountain high, no valley low, no ocean deep enough that will separate you from the love of God. And so if either of those are you, I want you to raise your hand in this place this morning. I'm not going to single you out. I just want to pray for you. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Now I want you to make some noise in this place, church, for those the people that have given their life back to Christ today. Woo! And so, I want to pray with you. 
Everybody pray this with me because we're one family. Now you are being welcomed back into a family. We're all here to do this together. So everybody pray this with me. They say, dear God, thank you for accepting me back. I've tried to do life on my own and I failed. But I heard today that there is better with you. I believe that you died for me. That you resurrected on the third day. And that through that resurrection, I have power today. Thank you. Accept me in your family. Amen. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Surely the Lord is in this place. I'm going to ask you now, for anybody that needs prayer, anybody that feels weary, anybody that feels tired, anybody that feels anxiety, that has felt depression, I want you to come forward. I want you, I'm not going to keep asking. I'm just going to open the altar and I'm going to pray for whoever comes because God has sent me here three hours of driving to pray for you, to speak over you, to pray for your life. And I want you to know that since yesterday, there is an entire church in San Jose, California, two churches actually, Vine English and Vine Espanol, that have been praying for you. They've been praying for you. They didn't know your name, but they've been praying for you. They've been praying for you. And so God was moving. God was prepping before you even got here. Because the God that I serve is not a God of chaos and disorder. The God that I serve is a God of order and purpose. And the Word of God says that before you take any step, He has already ordained for it to happen. Meaning that you are meant to be in this place. And so I want to pray for those that need prayer this morning. I'm going to ask the pastors of this house and maybe the elders as well if they can help me pray and lay hands. And the rest of the church, if you could extend your hands forward and help me pray. Because there are people here today that need an Abishai. There are people in this place that need help and you are the help that they need. So begin to pray and team, begin to minister as we pray this morning.